Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Well, thanks for being here today on the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area with an office in Bradenton, Florida as well for those who like the warmer climates and an office in Strongsville in the Ohio area. Find us online at skyboxasset.com. Scott, great to chat with you once again this week. we got another great episode planned. How you been? I'm looking forward to it, Walter. I've been great. How about yourself? Been doing fantastic, and uh, I'm looking forward to what we've got to talk about today. But before we dive into everything, I do have to ask you, since you do have that office in Bradenton, uh, mm-hmm. were you in Florida when the whole iguanas, raining iguanas alert was given by the National Weather Service? It was just the other day before we recorded today's today's show. I was... Did you see that? I was not. I didn't even know there was such thing as a iguana alert. The National Weather Service issued an alert for potential iguanas falling out of trees because it got so cold. I guess what happens when it gets below 40 degrees in Florida, iguanas can't because they're cold blooded. They can't. Their bodies basically go into shutdown mode. They don't die, but their bodies literally just shut down as if they were dead and they fall out of the trees because they no longer can do anything. They're not hanging on. So they fall out of the tree. So there's this, there were iguanas just scattered everywhere throughout Florida when the cold snap hit and people were taking pictures of these like iguanas totally looking dead, you know, like legs up in the air, mouth crooked sideways. And then as the day warmed up, they'd sprung back to life. But it was pretty funny. Well, that is crazy. I didn't even realize that happened. I, it, and, uh, everybody I talked to down in, in Florida that they didn't mention anything. Maybe they assumed I knew. Yeah. Yeah. It must be par for the course down there. You know, everything's a little bit different in Florida, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's you know, a, the, it's own little world. the one thing I noticed down in Florida is uh, I can't quite get used to the grass. The grass? As odd as, as, odd as that sounds, you know, up here in, in Ohio, we've got this Kentucky bluegrass. It's nice and soft like a carpet. and But down there, they got that thick kind of wide leaf grass that's kind of hard. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the weirdest hmm. thing, but. Of all the things I think of, it's the grass. I guess Not all the, the times is falling out of the trees at me. It's yeah, the grass. I guess all the times I've been to Florida, I've never really thought much about the grass because usually we're in like, you know, beach locations or something like that. Well, yeah, that's true. It's usually not a lot of grass and beach locations. You got you, your phone ringing in the background over there. You gonna? We're just gonna let that roll in the podcast, right? Yeah, I forgot to put it on. Do not disturb. <laughs> you feel free to take a call during the show today. No problem at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, priorities. We'd all be interested in hearing that conversation, in fact. That'd be a really interesting, uh, you know, little little experiment to do. Just listen to the, well, listen to your phone well, calls. Well, it could be from one of my kids, too. So that would, that would be extremely interesting. That would be, very much so. <laughs> all right, well, let's get to today's content. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we've got a great question from Lisa that we're going to dive into uh, to give you a little preview. Uh, Lisa's thinking about, uh, you know, wanting to meet with a financial advisor, but her husband 
is more of a DIY kind of guy. And so they've got this conflict going on. So we're going to talk to Lisa about her problem a little bit later on. Uh, we're also going to dive in right now to our main topic of the day. And that's to talk a little bit about the lies that you learn in broker school. Now, this doesn't mean lies that you've gone and learned in broker school, Scott, but lies that maybe a financial professional out there has kind of learned over the years. Um, so here's the premise. Uh, you know, a lot of financial professionals, they say things that just aren't true. And it's not that they're intentionally trying to mislead. It's just that they've been sort of trained because of maybe their company or their job or their position on certain talking points. And that kind of leads them to believe that these things are true themselves over time. So I want to look at some different statements that maybe we've heard before from a broker or a financial professional. And you tell us why that might be a lie indeed. And if you hear, well, you know what, Walter, first of all, I, uh, you know, just for full disclosure here, I actually did go to broker school. I did did start my career at a wirehouse firm back in the day, many, many years ago. So I kind of, you know, this is kind of a good feeling for some of the things that, that, you know, in the directions that the, you learn in broker school and, you know, throughout the years, obviously, I have learned that the broker school was not the school of thought that you should carry throughout your financial planning career. But uh, so you have yeah, unlearned so the lies. I have exactly. I thought you were going to make a joke about being broke in school, and so you went to a broker a broker school. But oh, uh, that's funny, Walter. Good one. Le- legitimate broker school you went to. So yeah, yes, yes. All right. So here's an example. Uh, I'm sure you learned this then uh, from your personal experience, Scott. We have experts who can accurately predict market movement. How often are brokers saying that to clients? Well, I, I call BS on this one. You know, anybody that's, I just recently remodeled my office and one of the things I put in there was a crystal ball. And in the conference room is a crystal ball and I'm gonna put an out of order sign on it. Because the reality is, is that (laughs) nobody can predict the markets consistently. Sometimes people get lucky. And the, the reason is, is because financial markets are driven by news. Trump tweets out that the trade talks are doing good. Stock goes, the market goes up. Tweets out that trade talks are going bad. Market goes down. Even you know, last month when the the flu started rolling in, in the you know that Chinese flu, and then it started the the coronavirus. Yeah, we had the first confirmed case in the United States. What happens? The market drops. So. You know, there's so many things that go into in the predicting the markets and, you know, obviously the economic strength of the economy and all these other things. But markets are driven by news. So it's not you. No one can accurately do it on a consistent basis. So, I mean, the whole idea is that they want you to feel that, you know, that there's a whole team of experts that know a whole lot more than what you do. Uh, when it comes to predicting the markets, but the reality is, you know, they're wrong more than half the time. Yeah, that's a great point, Scott. And if news is unpredictable, then that means the market's going to be unpredictable. So uh, you can't accurately predict market movement. You got to run the other way when you hear somebody kind of, you know, prophesizing that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Something else you might hear from uh, a broker, maybe a lie they learned in broker school. Just look at our past investment returns and you can see that we have a system that works in all markets. 
And then you read the fine print and it says past performance can't predict future results, but yet it doesn't stop them from saying it. Right. I mean, and, you know, the very similar uh, along the lines of predicting that market movement. When it comes to investments, you know, managers change, different things happen. Sometimes, you know, if you look at mutual funds, for instance, that the manager starts drifting out of the style to try to get returns. But, you know, the reality is that when the markets, you look at, at the financial crisis of 2008 that came along, there was no place to hide. So there's no way in a market like that, you're going to be cranking out 20% returns. It's just simply not going to happen. So past investment returns is something you should obviously take into account when you're looking at investment. If it's down 10% every year for the past 10 years, probably not a great place to put your money. But at the same time, you can't be chasing those returns and saying that, hey, you know, this fund did, did great. You know, it was up 20% last month. I'm putting all my money in there because Murphy's Law says that that sector or that fund is going to run across, you know, a tough time and it's going to drop the next month. So you don't want to be doing any of that chasing. You certainly do want to take a look at past returns, but you don't want to, that to be your sole uh, reason for investing in an investment. Great point, Scott. And I'll throw this one out there as well. Now, this is something you may hear not just from brokers, but other financial professionals as well. It's a little bit more of an outmoded way of thinking in in many ways, but also has some other maybe nefarious reasons behind why somebody would say this. Uh, your tax rate will be much lower in retirement. Why would that be such a, uh, you know, a, a pushed item or agenda in the financial realm, that that belief? Well, so, you know, this is something that we've heard for a long, long, long time. Uh, this particular lie from broker school is that, you know, you're going to be working your, your whole life. You save your money. You put money into your retirement account, your 401k at work. You just keep saving and saving and saving. And then when you retire, your income is going to be less in retirement and your tax rate is going to be less in retirement. The problem is when you look at the new reality of where we are and, and anybody that's talked to me or listened to this podcast before knows that I'm pretty convinced that tax rates are going to be going up in the future. So people that had saved their money in their retirement plans, because all those financial companies, their profit from you throwing money into that 401k plan, there's fees in there, and people are making money from you putting money into that plan. I'm not saying you shouldn't invest, but but when you get to retirement, those tax rates more than likely are going to be higher because the government's going to need money. We've got a huge national debt. We've got you know, the Medicare trust is going to run out of money in 2026. We've got Social Security, and we all hear about that running low on money. So the government's going to have to come up with more money, and more than likely those taxes are going to be coming to us. And so when you get to retirement, you want to have you know more of those tax-free type of vehicles that you want to be able to accumulate assets in, and then in your retirement, you can use those to help fund your retirement. All right, Scott, one more example here. Lies you learn in broker school. I remember hearing this one a lot in the 2008 timeframe during that crisis. It's just a paper loss. Hang in there. You'll be fine. And for me, in my 20s at the time, yeah, that was pretty much true, right? But what about for somebody who's closer to retirement? 
Yeah, that's you you hit the nail right on the head, Walter. I mean, everybody has got different time horizons and different goals. And so there is a little portion of truth to this. If you're in your 20s and you're properly allocated, that's the key. So you've got the proper investments for what your risk tolerance is. And you've got that longer term time horizon. You've got 40 years before you're going to touch your money. Well, then, yes, you can hang in there. You can let the system work itself through. But when you're closer to retirement, you're five, 10 years out from retirement, or you're actually in retirement, you want to make sure that allocation has you set up in investments that are going to be less volatile, and you're not going to have to experience a 2008 50% plus market drop in your investment portfolio when you're 68 years old and you're retiring next week. So there is, like I said, a a little bit of, of truth in there, but for the majority of investors that I deal with is that you know, you want to get yourself in a position and a proper allocation before that time comes where you get that big, huge drop and you do see that loss because by that time, you know, it, it's too late. Well, I know that Scott spends a lot of time in his visits with clients and folks who are exploring that retirement planning uh, realm, maybe for the first time, debunking uh, certain myths and kind of unfurling these sorts of lies that maybe financial professionals have kind of put out there into the airwaves or kind of into your sphere of thought personally, one-on-one in many cases as well. It's a big part of it, right, Scott? Just making sure that we get kind of back to neutral in our approach to retirement and and financial planning and that we're not basing our plans off of these kind of incorrect assumptions or or straight up lies in many cases. Well, you know, the key to this whole thing, Walter, is that you want to work with somebody that's a fiduciary, that's going to be on the same side of the table with you, is not looking to make commissions off selling certain products, that they're putting your interest at, you know, first and foremost. And then you won't have to deal with any of these lies. And you develop yourself a holistic financial plan that's geared towards getting you where you need to go and work with an advisor that's a fiduciary, and you're going to be heading in the right direction right there. Well, if you want to talk to Scott Searles about putting together your own financial plan, Scott is a fiduciary financial planner and financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management, again, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area and in Bradenton, Florida as well. Give him a call at 888-742-0111 to discuss your own financial plan and talk about getting a better plan in place. 888-742-0111 is the number, or you can go online to talktoscott.com and you can schedule a time to meet right there from your smartphone or computer. Schedule a free consult. Again, it's talktoscott.com. Well, let's uh, spend some time getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. This is Getting to Know You. It's getting to know you time. All right, a fun question for you this week, Scott. Uh, Definitely a bit of a a personal one, if you will, but uh, a fun one as well. Take us inside your morning routine. What's it look like? How do you get your day started each day? Well, I don't know how much detail I want to go. Uh, Go go medium medium on the details. Okay. (laughs) But you know what? It's it's ironic you asked me that because I've actually been trying to change my morning routine. Oh, okay. I mean, as of now, 
because my my wife works downtown three days a week on the days that she's working i have to get my daughter off to school and and get everything get her breakfast and all that fun stuff but what i'm trying to do is trying to get myself up earlier because i've been doing a lot of reading and, and they said that if you have an earlier morning routine where you meditate which i've never really tried reading and exercise in the morning that that sets you up to have a very successful day but the big problem I have is that I can't get up early enough to get all that stuff done before <laughs> I need to start doing other stuff. Yep. Uh, and that's because I stay up too late. And I stay up too late because, you know, I've got four kids, two of them at home, and, you know, they're up late and there's stuff going on. And so it's kind of this big hamster wheel I'm stuck on. I want to try to develop a better ro- routine than simply just – you know, waking up, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee, you know, start making sure that, uh, and I do, I do go over work stuff a little bit in the morning after I have my cup of coffee, but then I got to get up and kind of, I lay my day out a little bit, but then I got to get up and get my, uh, make sure my daughter's moving. You know, the one in high school, she gets, she goes to school at a quarter to seven. So, you know, I see her off, but I don't have to do anything with her. (laughs) Usually, she just gives me a dirty look. And uh, it sounds to me like the answer to this question is you do not have a morning routine at all. <laughs> am I, you're saying I'm just rambling on here? Uh, it just yeah, sounds I, all I, scattered. You do, you just it's different every day. That's your routine. It sounds like. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I need to develop a morning routine. You're in that period I, of transition, I guess. So it's understandable. I am. I am. Wow. But, uh, hey, you know what? As long as I get up in the morning, it's a great day. That, well, I was, I was going to say, just don't change step number one. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm on it with the bad jokes today. Let me tell you what. That's two on this show already. So we'll see if I get a third one in here before it's over. But Oh, I'm sure. In, in any event. I know what you mean. It's a real struggle for me to get a consistent morning routine as well. Because I feel like every day is different. Like today, Scott. I got up at 5.30 and just started working right away. And I, I, I just, I pulled out the laptop, boom, went to work. And, and some days are like this where I'll work really good, very productive. I'm most productive from like 5.30 to 10 a.m. And then I get really productive again at the very end of the day, kind of like that 3.30, 4 o'clock to maybe 6, 6.30 time frame. And so, but I realized I was spending a lot of those times doing non-work stuff. You know, if you took a long time to get ready in the morning and then, you know, the end of the day comes and, you know, you got to start making dinner or take the dogs for a walk, all that kind of stuff. And I was trying to do all my work in the middle of the day where I was least productive. So I've tried on some days, now it's hard when the rest of the world kind of works the opposite way, but I've tried some days where I'll kind of get up and work for a couple of hours, then take a two hour break in the middle of the day to kind of, you know, go back and I, I work from home many days. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going into the office, not showered, <laughs> but, right, right. you know, but, but then I'll, on those days, but then I'll go shower, you know, maybe 10, 30, 11 in the morning after I've already done maybe five or hours of work. And then when I kind of hit my other productive part of the day in the afternoon, boom, I go back at it, but I've already done all the other stuff in the middle you know, getting lunch, working out, you know, that kind of stuff. So that works some days too, but it's hard to do it every single day, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, you know, I usually get up at 6 a.m. 5.30 would be probably a little rough for me. I got this, uh, I don't know if anybody, if you have one of these Fitbits, but I I got a Fitbit for Christmas and uh, you sleep with it and it monitors your sleep. 
And let's just say I, I don't score very well on my sleep scores. Yeah, so. that's why I stopped wearing mine because I didn't I didn't like seeing just how bad I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> you see, like you basically had no five minute period the entire night where you didn't toss and turn. It's like, OK, great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I have a problem because I have the, there's one dog. He's he's the grandpa dog and he uh, he always wants to uh, get up in the middle of the night, maybe once you know, once for sure, twice sometimes, you know, go out and go to the bathroom. Like that just messes you up. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on these uh, cold winter nights that wakes you up quick when you, you know, have to step out and take the dog out. So absolutely. There's uh, some really productive people probably listening to this show right now, just shaking their heads going, man, you guys got to get a good morning routine down They're They're, they're embarrassed for us, Scott, but like Scott, you're a mess. Such is life, you know? Uh, sometimes you just have a lot going on in the mornings and if, it's not a bad thing for every day to be different in many cases, but That's I right. think it sounds like both you and I are trying to perfect and, uh, at least work on that part of our lives a little bit, something a little bit more consistent. So that's good. As long as we're trying, right, Scott? Absolutely. Got it. Well, there you go. Getting to know Scott Searles a little bit better on the program today. Hey, now it's time to get to know you with a question from one of our listeners. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, good question from Lisa in Strongsville this week, Scott. I think this will lead to some good discussion. Lisa says, I'd really like to meet with a financial advisor, but my husband says we're handling our investments just fine ourselves. Is it okay to do this whole thing without help? Well, Lisa, that is a really good question. And it is okay to do it without help, though it's not recommended. When, you, when you're doing, handling the investments is one thing. When you open a Fidelity account and you just buy some funds and you got a long term where you can ride out market dips, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it gets much, much, much more complicated when you start entering and getting close to retirement. And, you know, some people can handle it. It's like fixing your car. And, you know, back in the 60s, it was pretty easy to fix a car. Now you look at these new cars that come out, most people can't fix them themselves. And some people try and their car breaks down. Well, I don't want your financial car to break down. So when you get close to retirement, you have to take into account things like taxes, tax rate changes, inflation, What's the best ways to get Social Security? Do I take it at 62? Do I wait to 70? You know, what kind of investments are good for me? And how are you monitoring it? How are you changing it? So it definitely gets more complicated, and the majority of people cannot do it successfully without help. So what I would recommend to you is that you go, you just talk to somebody, talk to a financial advisor, it's a fiduciary, or go to www.talktoscott.com, set up a call with me, and I can kind of quickly run through your situation and give you a kind of a, an idea of, of what, you know, if your situation certainly warrants having somebody help you. But in the majority of cases, there's a lot of value you're going to get out of working with a financial advisor. Uh, and, you know, and the advisor does it all day long. He's got resources for tax law changes, estate planning changes in the law, and all these things that can keep you aware of and get you headed in the right path. So hopefully, Lisa, that answers your question. I I certainly wish you the best of luck and and feel free to uh, schedule a call with me if you want to talk further about it. 
I'll tell you how to do that here in a second, Lisa. I'm just curious real quick as a kind of a final thought here, Scott, how many people come into your office, especially, I guess, couples in this particular case, where they do have that kind of disagreement, where it's not necessarily a disagreement about, you know, how they're invested, but it is more along the lines of like one thinks they can do this, you know, do this whole thing themselves, or maybe it's more of a question of engagement. You know, how often is one person more engaged in the process and the other one sort of just been dragged along? You know, actually, Walter, I see that a lot. And it's usually the husband, you know, thinks he can do it himself and the wife is not very comfortable. And a lot of the times when I talk to people, it kind of boils down to the fact that the wife is afraid if something happens to the husband, that there's no one to turn to and no one to help her out from that point going forward. So that's something to consider also, is that if there's one of the spouses that are handling all this stuff, doing the investments, you know, they got everything figured out, they're monitoring tax law changes, and, and they're they're doing all these things, what happens when that person passes away? And uh, so I do see that quite a lot between a, a husband and a wife. And like I said, it's usually the the wife that wants to get some help. So it's good to know that you're not really alone in that situation, Lisa, that you present with your question this week. So if you do want some help, it doesn't hurt to come in, have a conversation and get on the same page with your significant other when it comes to your retirement and financial plan. And Scott Searles can help you do that again with an office in Strongsville, serving you through the greater Cleveland area. Or if you like going down to Florida and happen to be in the Bradenton area, Scott can meet with you in the office there as well. You can go to talk to Scott.com to schedule that time to meet. Again, that's talktoscott.com. And we'll put a link to that in the description of today's show so that you can access uh, that link and that information and get on the calendar. Uh, But if you just remember in your head as well, talktoscott.com is the address where you can schedule a time to chat. Well, Scott, thanks for your help on this week's show. Really enjoyed the conversation and we'll have another great topic on tap next time around. I'm looking forward to it, Walter, and you did not make that third bad joke. I did not. Joke. Well, Good we'll job. just have to save it for next time. <laughs> <laughs> for Scott Searles, I'm Walter Storhold. We'll catch you on the next show. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Thanks for listening. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.